Hey everybody, Daryl here, and unfortunately only Daryl is here, as Alexis is sick. I'm actually sick as well, which sucks, but as they say, the show must uh, go on, and we do have a really, really good show ahead of us today, but we're going to be foregoing with the usual news of Jeju, the going-ons, if you will. Uh, there has been quite a bit going on, and we like to talk about that, but we'll have to get to that next time. But on this episode, it is actually quite a, how do I say, a special episode. We have a historian, Robert Neff, as our interview, and it's quite a lengthy interview, too. And he, we, go, we talk about, you know, his recent series of articles about Jeju that, that are just fantastic. So if you haven't had a chance to read them in the Korea Times, I highly suggest you do. But... Before we get to that interview, we, of course, have Jeju Dialect Corner with our teacher, something named Ju Young Han. So let's go to that now. Ladies and gentlemen, now it is time for our lauded Jeju Dialect Corner with our teacher, Ju Young Han, who's all the way with us today. She's taking the time out of her busy vacationing schedule in Pyeongchang. Is that yeah. where you are? Surfing? Yes. Not surfing. Yeah. Skiing or snowboarding? Snowboarding, yeah. Nice. How how are you doing? Is it your first time? No, actually, uh, like my first fourth time mm. today, and uh, I had really big uh, fall down. Uh huh. I fell down really hard yeah, today, <laughs> so I kind of tumbled like twice. Uh huh. And I landed on my shoulders, so. Uh, I'm okay, but I I think tomorrow uh, I think I'm gonna be in a lot of pain, muscle pains. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that, that, I hope you can go to a gym jilbang or something and oh, relax. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, yeah. And it's kind of fitting you're in Pyeongchang because that's where the the last Winter Olympics are. And today, it's uh, full disclosure, <laughs> it's the fourth in the West, uh, and that's the start of the Winter Olympics in in China in Beijing. So yeah. uh, how is it there? Is it beautiful? Yeah, it, it is. It snows like every morning and um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like uh-huh. everything white. And um, yeah, I think it's just really beautiful to see the snow all the time because mm-hmm. in Jeju, we don't see snow like very often, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, do, have people, do people there, like, do they know that you're from Jeju? Have you told them that you're from Jeju? Are they, they shocked? Are they amazed from where you're, no? No, no I, I only uh, see uh, my uh, snowboarding. <laughs> hey, teacher, my teacher, who, uh-huh. who, who's teaching me, you know, snowboarding. Mm-hmm. So I told him that I live in Jeju, but like, he was like, oh, when did you move to Jeju? And I was you know, I was born in, yeah, born and raised in Jeju. Uh-huh. And he was uh, like shocked and a little bit jealous, you know, like, oh, you mm. must be, you know, happy and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting because when I first got here, there was more, like most people were Jeju natives, but now there's so many people from the mainland who moved here, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, yeah. it's, it's not that it's difficult to find people from, uh, like Jeju natives, but I from the mainland, like you said, they asked, uh, when did you move here? So, yeah. Um, so thank you again, taking time out of your busy holiday surf, uh, oh, snowboarding schedule. Sorry. 
to do this. And so what is the word that we're, we're going to be learning today? So today I was thinking uh, how to say, you know, how to say goodbye to uh, the year we had, you know, like 2021. Right. We can uh, say to each other, like, Poksak Sogasta. Poksak Sogatsuda? Yes. Uh, uh, okay. So, One more time. Yeah. Poksak Sogasta. Poksak Sogasuda. That's a lot of like syllables in there. That's actually quite good. So, what does that actually mean? Like, how does that work? So, um, so let me explain the, the, the phrase, like when you can use it. So mm. like sogasta, uh, you can use, use it as a way of saying goodbye to, uh, you, you know, your coworkers. Like uh, it means like, oh, you went through a lot of trouble today, you know, or that day. And uh, mm. thank you for your work or you did a really good job, you know, stuff like that. So... Yeah. That you uh, um, acknowledge their hard work and uh-huh. you know and express your thank, uh-huh. uh, your gratitude. Yeah, yeah, gratitude. So, but you wouldn't say this at the end of every day. Then you would say this only when, like, the your your students, for instance, put in a lot of good effort that day. Or yeah that to every day like uh, it doesn't have to be like special day or anything so like um like for example if your friends visit you like mm. from like, one hour from your house you know you can say oh you you know you went through a lot of trouble to come here so uh-huh. thank you you know kind also, of stuff so let's say for instance there's a mm-hmm. Jeju dialect teacher who's on vacation at the moment, and she's taking the time out of her busy schedule <laughs> to speak to us when she could be yeah. out frolicking in the snow with her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, hypothetically, one host could say, Poksak Soka Suda. Yes. Yeah. When, you know, hang, hang up the phone, you know, like you can say, oh, today, you know, Poksak Sogasta. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's, that's very fitting. That's a great expression. I, I can't wait to uh, impress Alexis, who's not here, actually, by everyone, as you notice. She's not here because she's not feeling well. She's quite, quite ill at the moment. So um, she wanted to be here, but uh, the, the show must go on, as they say. So now, as you mentioned, I think you mentioned, the end of the year has just come. Uh-huh. Yeah. In Korean, you would normally say, say hey, book mani padaseo, or the way I say it, say book mani mani padaseo. How would you say that in Jeju Saturi? Oh, uh, we don't have any words for sehe, but we can say sehe book hayong padaseo. Hayong? Hayong? Yeah, a lot. So. Uh, hi, uh, okay. Hi, yeah, so mani. Yeah, mani. Yeah. It's the same. And say hey is New Year, yeah. right? Yeah. Say hey. Which means to get or to, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Say hey, book. Hayong padumsa. Sa. Padumsa. Yeah. That's more difficult than you. Say hey, book. Hayong padumsa. 
that's great. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I was thinking, you know, like in 2021, we, you know, all together, we went through a lot of, you know, stuff, you know, like uh, difficult time, you know, so mm. we can uh, say each other, you know, like, oh, last year, uh, mm. this year, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So can you say them one more time? Let's start off with Say that one more time for us. And say hey book. Perfect. That'll be great. I'm going to, I kind of wish we had the second one for like a week ago because that was, you know, just a couple of days ago, was it? But this is going to be, that's still really useful to know. Thank you very much, teacher. I wish you to enjoy the rest of your holiday. Oh, and thank you. Paksak suda. <laughs> it's so difficult. Paksak oh. <laughs> Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope all of you get as much use out of these words as we do. You know, if you do use them, please let us know and, and tell us how it goes. You can email us at meyouandjeju at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and message us there, Instagram, Twitter at the Jeju Podcast. We're all over the place. And, you know, feel free to message us, drop us hints, tips, you know, news about what's going on on the island that we may or may not have heard about, things that you'd like us to discuss. We uh, really do enjoy and appreciate the community interaction we get from all of you so please you know don't be shy if you you want to reach out and um that, that was another great lesson from ju young han who we very much appreciate coming on especially all the way from pyeongchan as you notice alexis wasn't there she's she's been under the weather for a while now and not to pull back the curtains too far in how we do this we don't always record each segment at the same time. As you'll notice in the upcoming interview with historian and writer Robert Neff, Alexis was there with us because we were actually able to do this interview in advance. And I, I got to tell you, this is, it's quite a doozy of an interview. Uh, it covers everything from his recent articles to how he writes them and how he categorize, categorizes, you know, catalogs his information and also about just that history from that particular time period from like the late 1800s early 1900s and how it's disappearing and it's not just disappearing for jeju but it's also disappearing in south korea and if we don't document it now it'll just be gone and that would you know that truly would be a travesty so without further ado, let's get to the interview now because he would he explains it so much better than I do. And uh, here's Robert Neff. Now with us from Seoul is Robert Neff, an author, freelance writer, and historian specializing in Korean history of the 19th and 20th century. His work has been published by the Christian Science Monitor, Asian Times, the Korean Times, Korean Herald, and more, including the Jeju Weekly, which is where <laughs> I first met uh, Robert about a decade ago, I think. Uh, he's also written books about Korea, including Through Western Eyes, which is right here. And he is here today to talk to us about a series of six articles that are kind of written in the same vein as this book that's in front of us. And they were published recently back to back in the Korean Herald. Thank you for being with us, Robert. Thank you. It's Korea Times, not Korea Herald. 
<laughs> oh no, but I, uh, yes, I must have mixed it up in my notes. Korea song. Now, the series of historical articles depicting the impressions of like Western travelers on specific aspects of the island is rather a fascinating read. I think we both really enjoyed really reading really. it. Where did it come from? What did the idea uh, for this? Well, January 12th was Fred Dustin's birthday. Right. And so every year I honor his memory. And I didn't want to write an article about the, the establishment of the maze, which he's famous for. Mm-hmm. So Kingdom. instead, I wanted to go back and review some of the conversations we used to have. Oh, cool. Whenever I went down to Jeju Island, we would sit, eat popcorn and drink grape soda and <laughs> talk about the history of the island. Well, here's a pressing usually, question. Where did you get grape soda? Uh, grape juice. I'm sorry. Oh, grape I, was like, I was like, wait, that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so I continue, you were saying? So it, it stemmed from that. And mm. it's a pretty... I go through series, different series at a time. I'll concentrate on one region for one or two weeks and then move on to another region. Mm-hmm. I, and, thought, uh, I, th- I thought it was particularly interesting. It was, it, was, it was six pieces. And what really struck me is all the information you were, they're not, they're not large pieces of uh, articles. Um, so I just thought it was really interesting how much you were able to put in and then I, what struck me is I wondered how hard it was for you to decide what wasn't going to go in. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of information <laughs> that did not go in. But, Every, uh, yep. I, I tried to keep it to what Cheju's famous for, mm-hmm. the wind, rocks, and women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty much along that way. Um, Cheju's actually kind of difficult to write about. Oh, why is that? There weren't, there weren't that many Westerners on Cheju. Mm. Mm. So there were a lot of shipwrecks. And as you know, I used to write about the shipwrecks on mm. the island. But the same thing with images. It's very hard to get Cheju pictures. Uh, I, I don't have that many from, I think my earliest one is 1910 or 1905. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Where, yeah. Whereas my pictures of Seoul and Pusan and Incheon go back to 1880s. The, the, so the it, articles themselves, even with the pictures you chose, were it just kept you keep on, yeah. you know, like I wanted to keep, I wanted to read faster, mm-hmm. you know, so I could get to the next picture. Really, really intriguing and beautiful photos. Thank you. Yeah. So um, about the the source materials. I mean, you have like Korean custom reports and Scottish newspapers and, and books. And if it's, you said it's difficult to get these things, how did you come up with them? Were they something you accumulated over time or is it, was it just, you know, digging through the archives for the specific series? I've been doing this for almost three decades. (laughs) So I've collected material all the time. Every day I'm adding to my collection. All I do is transcribe amazing and i would so, like to see your library that's for sure uh, it's the library itself isn't that big it's the transcription uh-huh. um, my big project right now is 
diary day by day. I combined everything that I have. Wow. So that every day, say October 7th, 1887, everything that I have that pertains to that has all been added to this one file. So it's it's just under 50,000 pages. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. 50,000 pages. Wow. wow. So I, what do you intend to do with that once? Like, I mean, I guess it's never going to be done. You're just going to have it for just, your archive. I just keep adding to it every day. So, I mean, I'm kind of concerned about what happens to it when I pass. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's, a, it's a lot of information gone. And it's it's done from different angles. So when it's on a date, there might've been five people who attended that function and I have each one of their opinions. And there's a difference between a diplomatic dispatch and a letter that you write to your children. The letter you write to your children is far from diplomatic. And it's usually a lot closer to the truth. So where do you find some of the, because a lot of these are like, um, they're written in probably French and English and German and different languages. Where do you find them? If you don't have mind, well, it's asking. I have, a, I have a good friend, Diane Nars. I often mention her in the articles and right, she's right. A, a specialist on genealogy. I drive her crazy. Um, <laughs> in the past, before we really had the internet, I used to just, spam people i would (laughs) if i found that your name was johnson and i knew there was a johnson from columbia city indiana i would go through the phone book and find all the johnsons and call them and ask them by chance do you have did you have a great grandfather in korea wow the dedication wow robert that is that's amazing so a lot of my collection comes from personal letters, diaries, mm-hmm. um, recollections, memories. I think that was these pieces, you know, what you have collected really added so much. Like I said, the articles are fairly short, you know, themselves. But when you're going through, oh, my God, my favorite part was reading all the quotes uh, that you inserted into the articles. It was such a cool way to get an understanding of what you were sharing with us to to read it through all these different voices and i swear to you i could tell like i could hear the way you wrote it i could hear the personalities of of mm. the, the missionaries of you know of of the men coming through it was so fascinating to me it was one, it was definitely my favorite part of the article article pre- excuse me i prefer to let them do the speaking yeah i i don't like to give as much comment it's yeah. not my my view it's their view right now if there was like a a not a theme but a connecting thread through all of them it would definitely be the sources you have the 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 two western missionaries you have <laughs> walter i can't pronounce probably can pronounce his Stotzner, Stotzner. Stotzner. Yeah. and of course you have the uh state department um charles yeah i'm gonna mess up his yeah. name because i'm terrible <laughs> with names but uh, charles how do I pronounce his full name? Charles Charlie Charles Long. Charles Long. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was fascinated by the fact that there was a State Department official on Jeju Island. I also thought that was uh, interesting. But he's quite a. Who is this man? He is 
uh, I can't even begin to describe him. He's been, <laughs> others have described him as the untrustworthy historian or oh. his, his accounts are often exaggerated, self-centered. Um, <laughs> he was, he was a very interesting individual, but had a great way of writing. Really, really, he did. But he was also a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he writes or wrote, you have to go back and double check. I mean, he... Everything has to be double checked with him. And okay. if were there any lies wanna, about Jeju that you caught? Yeah, I don't know if there were quite lies, but mm -hmm. he was afraid to eat the food there because he was afraid he was going to be poisoned. And right. Is um, and he he's there with the Japanese crew, which is kind of dangerous in the right. first place because right. we have the Jeju fish wars going on, and. I see the book there, Korea Through Western Eyes. I mention him in that book as well because mm -hmm. the baby riots. Mm -hmm. He was the one that said that when he, he claimed to be the first person to take photographs in Korea, and we know that's not true, but he said that as he walked through the streets of Seoul, he took pictures of some of the children, and a few days later, the children ended up missing and they found them in the streets. They had been disfigured, their eyes removed. And, and it was all of a, he blamed it on the Chinese trying to get rid of the Westerners out of Korea. How much Sorry, is that a true account? There was, there was a lot of problems at that okay. time, but okay. this Horace Allen claims that it was a, um, a Japanese man who started this problem by having buying a young boy for immoral purposes. Mm, oh. um, the ambassador, the American ambassador was accused of eating children. The missionaries were cooking oh. children. A, a water carrier supposedly went into one of the missionaries houses and lifted up a pot lid and when he lifted it up he looked in and he saw a child being boiled in there um it was you know the common bogeyman it, it goes back to the early 1880s when even in the countryside supposedly foreigners would come in with candy and lure the children out but these foreigners were the japanese but yeah right 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 so i mean uh, it's it's interesting, but long long as he's like the he's par for the course for the foreigners in Seoul at that uh -huh. time because uh -huh. he's a Civil War veteran, and there were several several Civil War veterans there. Long is he's forty five years old. Okay, his boss Dinsmore is thirty seven years old. Mm. Okay. Dinsmore didn't serve during the Civil War. He was too young. Mm. Long has, I don't know, he's, he's proven himself in Africa. He claimed to have discovered several different regions <laughs> that had never been discovered before. Uh -huh. 
And so he is kind of a real thing. I mean, he, he was a brave man. And so he came to Korea and he has this younger man that's in charge of him. And there's a little antagonism there. And then he also has a general, General Dai, who served with the Union Army. Then there's Cummings, who was a colonel with the Confederate Army. Mm-hmm. You have Graham Lee, who was a National Guard. And he didn't serve with anybody, but he was he thought of himself as a, a military leader. And they're all conflicting with each other. And there's a lot of power struggle going on. In fact, uh, Long tries to do a coup d'etat inside the American oh. legation. Really? Or has to go to Incheon to have surgery done. Uh-huh. His surgery is kind of strange. I don't know what it was. It <laughs> kind of made his, uh, over-endowed him, shall we say. <laughs> I don't know what it was. That's a I whole nother. I'm, that's that's a whole nother podcast. I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> I, I have no idea what disease it was. There were a couple of people though at this time okay. that had okay. that problem. Uh-huh. And while he was at Chemyopo in Chun, Long announced to the other diplomats in the city and the Korean uh, uh the foreign office that I'm now in charge He's of the taken over. American legation. Jeez. And Dinsmore is like, no, you're not in charge. (laughs) So there's really a a, a power struggle inside and they both end up getting relieved. Oh, how long, how long was long in Korea? Do you know off the top of your head? From 1987, uh, 1887 Uh until 1889. Oh, so short. Yeah. Short. Yeah. How long was he on Jeju for? 40 days. 40 days. Something like two weeks yeah yeah okay so my question i i thought it was fascinating why was the state department and why was he coming down here trying to figure out where the koreans came from they're like their racial background it wasn't the state department it was him it was just him gotcha because he took leave to do this okay and so he took the leave to do it and he tried to get another naval officer to go with him but the naval officer couldn't get leave oh okay he went down, he, he wanted to go to Pekdusan, uh-huh. but he had nobody to go with him, so he didn't go to Pekdusan. But yeah. he was convinced that the, the people of Cheju were actually related to the American Northwest natives. Okay. Oh. So... He, he see I, I definitely need to read more about this man. He was interesting. Yeah. I think I have my one of the main things I kept thinking when I was reading through your articles is, do you know, was this did this man have a history of writing? Was he, oh, you know, yes. a journalist? He, oh, no, yes. he wasn't a journalist, but he wrote many, many books. OK, because he wrote several books, many uh-huh. articles in various newspapers and magazines. He was very, very prolific. Yeah, very good. I know you make a mention of at some point, Mm. like reading over his uh, State Department words versus his uh, I I, I can't remember, but like his personal words and how different they sounded. He's a really good writer. He was. He was very, very good. Yeah. He he had a flair. Yes. That's a great way to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, why did he think that the Jeju people related to the Native Americans? Do you know that? Like, does that come up in his writing? He um, he doesn't 
quite say, but he says that they're definitely different from the mainland Koreans, and he's right. they're uh -huh. different from the Japanese. Uh -huh. And he was convinced that there might be a Portuguese colony on the island in the past. Uh, it, right. Was that yeah. the secret? The secret uh, that they thought there was a secret um, commune? Yeah. Or a, something that's not like the word. Yeah. So I, I don't know why he okay. thought that way. That's okay. fascinating, and, though. I mean, he hadn't been here there before, so <laughs> I don't know where he got his information from. I like throughout here, and I'd, I'd like to just read this quote that from from Long. He's describing Jeju in general and how isolated Jeju is, and that it's not recognized. And he says, "Hostility to the strangers and an absolute isolation from the world without is the distinguishing characteristics of the islanders." whose names even now is mentioned with bated breath by the ever suspicious Koreans to whom Jeju is almost as unknown as to the world without. Yeah. I mean, that is just some <laughs> good writing there. It was very good. He was um, good. But I, Jeju to the Westerners was, um, was basically unknown. I mean, yeah. in the future, I want to do a piece on an early, I think it was Canadian American, or I, I can't remember exactly, uh -huh. but it was just before Perry opened Japan. Mm -hmm. And he almost jumped off at Jeju Island and he oh. was going to teach English. So that would have been your <laughs> earliest English teacher. You would have been our earliest ancestors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That would oh, have been, the, what, 1850s or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad, because we would have probably had a lot more knowledge about what, at least in English, about what Jeju would, what was, was a long like time it. ago. Because, I mean, Jeju was, you captured in this piece. And so I, well, so well. I find it very interesting how flippant some of the, they are about the people just dying in these fish wars <laughs> on the beaches. Can you explain a little bit about this fish, the, this fish war was? Uh, this fish war started like in the 1870s, and there were there were constant reports. Obviously, they originated in the Japanese newspapers, but they were picked mm -hmm. up by American and European of executions of Japanese fishermen on the beaches. I, I think it was 1874. They mentioned 14 were beheaded on the beach. Uh, there was an ongoing war between the Japanese fishermen and the Korean fishermen. The Japanese were Hado and what is it? Um, Mulipo? Mm. I, I can't remember. Mos Mosupo? Mosupo. Yeah. yeah, that's right by where, where they, we are right now. Where they went ashore and they, what's the word? They abused mm. the female. Uh, inhabitants mm. they stole the pigs they stole the chickens and they they abused the women they they killed a number of men and so it became a tit for tat mm -hmm. and then on the mainland you had the chinese fighting with the korean fishermen mm -hmm. in the waters yeah and so i i thought it was kind of interesting when actually the three groups all met together one time and the Koreans came out on top, <laughs> but it's just so bloody. Like they just clean away the bodies off the. I want. I really wanted to know where these, where these, because I, I, I live by Jungmoon on the beach, and I love finding out where these locations are. Right, like, 
and trying to figure out like there was a description of one in the in mm. the piece mm. and oh, i'm like god that was one of my favorite that's sambang sang yes. that's got to be sambang yeah. sang right yeah well, can you can you yeah sure was, uh, where was i talking about oh it was stoltzner who said it and he was coming into on the boat and he was he said i felt my heart beat very fast indeed when i discovered such a colossus on a cliff outside jeju where the view reaches out over the ocean into the blue distance. Oh, that's just some good stuff right there. Yeah. And uh, you don't, you probably don't have any way to confirm it. I'm wondering what, if it, what the Westerners knew what Sanban San was back then, but that has to be it, right? Like I, down yes, in the yeah. some people have pointed out saying it was, I, I don't know. I, I don't actually live on Jeju. Right. Well, the way, you know, yeah. it, people have to read the article because mm. it's very descriptive about the size of the cave and, yeah, the, and, and the, the length of the cave at, you know, in different varieties. So yeah, if, as soon as I read it, I was just like, that's amazing to read about something that have that we see every day, but that was so the first picture of it, you know, it was in somebody's head and he's trying to describe yeah. it to us. Amazing. And because of that, because I had been there and mm-hmm. reading it, it kind of helped or aided me being transported back to being like in his shoes, seeing mm. it at that time, mm. which was an incredible piece of writing you you facilitated with that as well. Now, just for our listeners, so you know, we're jumping around between all of the <laughs> articles. We're not going through the chronological right. or, or anything like that. It's just... There's a series of six. And like I said, it's it, rather short, mm. but especially the way you write, Robert, is such it just keeps you wanting to go to the next piece. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought one of the really interesting things was the what I quoted from Long earlier was that Jeju was such a mystery to everyone. Um, and, and, and you can see it again and again in this quotes that you have inserted into your article. Um, you know, the way they describe Jeju or they would mm. th- they describe the women. I mean, it was it was like untouchable wild that they were being able to see for the first time. I, I think the um, I don't have them. I don't have the material with right. me right now. Mm. But I, I like the way they describe the governors and the moksas on it. Uh, they were mm. pretty, pretty descriptive. Um, and long. I think it was long. And I think also the guy I, that climbed Holosan. Uh no, not mm. him. That's. Okay. Um, What's his name? Goth or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. No, I think it was Long that was talking about the governor was brand new. Mm-hmm. Oh, the governor yeah. had just been moved to the island. He had just been assigned to the island and the people were hostile towards him. Yeah. And so he was afraid that they were going to rise up. Um, you also have to remember that there were sands. Um William Franklin Sands, who mm-hmm. came to the island in 1901. Right. And he was there to help quell the rebellion. Mm. Yeah. Because you have the 1901 rebellion and the French Navy had moved up and they were getting ready to take Jeju. Mm. Jeju could have been part of France. And because of his actions, he was later awarded medals from the French government and the Korean government. Oh. But Sands also describes them as the islanders are extremely hostile to the governors and the governors were walking on eggshells to Uh make sure they didn't anger the people. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that because like when I was reading that, I was thinking about how 
some of these things, some of these impressions of JG or attitudes continue today, right? Like some of the things yep. that still sort of stays in some way is that Jeju people are considered to be standoffish to mainlanders mm-hmm. for the most part. They're not considered being very polite. And that seems to be that, that that's like made, you know, in history, right? Because Isn't that true it, though? Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I've been on the island long enough. <laughs> I actually think, you know, my experience, I've been here for 10 years. My experience was I would get people saying, well, don't you, don't you find, you know, cold? Don't you find the JG people cool? But honestly, as a foreigner, I never experienced that. But my mainlander Korean yeah. friends would say, yeah, you know, I just never feel really comfortable there. Welcome. I'm like, oh, well, that's really interesting because I have always felt, well, not always, of mm. course, but for the most part felt welcome well, especially from mopo y- yeah oh yeah <laughs> yes mopo's not the uh not well loved no no so what while you were putting these things together was there something that surprised you in your research well i mean i've seen it over and over so i i don't okay. know i mean uh-huh. <laughs> right so this is stuff how long like how long were you specifically working on these series of articles for then? Each, I don't know, a day, two days. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was curious if it was something you did over like a long period of time or if you just. No, I mean, all the, all the material. I, mm-hmm. I have everything set up where it's done chronologically. I That's also I have my to. own yeah. encyclopedia where if I. Mm-hmm run it across a reference to cat i put it under my cat category and oh. so you must be so organized wow that I w- impressive so it's it's kind of quick i also have it set up by regions and oh that's a smart idea that's fascinating i'd love to see like i'm not a that that's yeah, awesome that that's much information i just have stuff right and binders <laughs> and it's i can never seem to find it that's Wow. Uh, I love I love collecting information. I mean, I collect mm-hmm. information on cost of things, how yeah. much the exchange rates, because the oh, exchange rates changed from different ports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the that's exchange smart. rate at Busan was much different from Pyongyang. And, right. Uh, but I just collect everything I can. I think your fascination of, you know, your your interest in information fascination certainly comes into play in these articles because for sure when I'm reading it all I want to do is find out more about you know you'll reference one little thing and I'm like I, I gotta know more of this story mm-hmm. like your your interest in the subject matter really transforms into this article I believe and really opened up you know I've lived here long I've lived here a while so I, I sometimes I feel like my curiosity for Jeju kind of goes up and down right now it's more focused on four three and those sort of it. But when I started reading your stuff, I was like, man, I don't even know about yeah. this stuff. And so it, it really inspires, but it also awakens a curiosity that I haven't felt in a few years. Yeah. So thank you for that. I mean, it is really something special to read your stuff. I don't, I shouldn't say stuff. Should I? Sorry about that. <laughs> your work. <laughs> your work. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, like, I, go sorry. ahead. No, please. Uh, I think that's something that's lacking. Mm. And I've, I've been talking about it for at least a decade that somebody actually needs to write Cheju's history in English. And yes, I realize that you have an interest in the, the Sasam, but mm-hmm. 
if I were to do it, I would definitely cut before I hit Sasam. Yeah. I would go up to like 1939. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But somebody needs to go and just do a real history, not just dates and short facts, but actually do a, a storytelling narrative mm-hmm. of the history. I could not agree with you more. Uh, you know, even to your le- mm-hmm. uh, part six mentions, you start talking about Halasan. Mm-hmm. That also that information, you know, the first four, well, what we think, what you th- uh, think is mm-hmm. the first foreigner climbing and the fight he had to go with, with the current governor. I mean, all mm-hmm. that, that stuff is just so interesting. I, I hate using first um, because right, every time right. you use it, you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> funny i was going to say that when i was doing research for some one of our episodes i was looking up the cherry blossoms mm. and um one thing i came across and i can't remember name i believe it was a french man who did a lot of like uh work on the island um categorizing all the different plants and stuff he did a lot of he said that he was the first person ever to find the cherry blossom trees <laughs> on jeju which it's like because he wrote it down in English, he's the first person that I can find saying it, but I highly doubt that he's the first person to have seen sure. the cherry blossoms yeah. on Jeju. Uh, the first, that's a dangerous, really dangerous right. uh, title to add to anything. Uh, <laughs> now, before we, we switch gears again, um, I, <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the sharks and <laughs> dog fur. That's see why do you but why are you Dara? Why are you what what's with the sharks and dog fur? They're two, two they were together there. in the article about oh, okay. like um, um the eating the, the eating sharks. of shark on Jeju as a delicacy, which we, we don't do. Like that's what I was amazing by. No. It just disappeared. And also the wearing of dog fur as clothing disappeared. We still wear galot, we still eat like hooked to AG, we still have a lot of these traditional things that come from you know long time ago but those are things that i had never heard of before ever that's in- well i included a picture of a, a man so wearing a dog that dog that, clothing that's in my notes yeah. that i like the way the man who stumbled stumbled across and was like i'm not sure if he was harvesting mushrooms uh, i'm not sure why he was in the cave that's but anyways yeah. it was startling you know like that was the paraphrasing this man stumbling across sure. him in the cave i i didn't to be honest, I didn't know about the sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I was collecting information about Busan sharks mm-hmm. because oh. Busan was exporting a lot of shark fins to China and they were also selling a lot of shark flesh to the local Korean population. Mm-hmm. And Wansan or Ginsan was doing the same thing. But I didn't know about Cheju. Mm-hmm. Until I started reading some of the articles, that was kind of surprising. Um, and they were making the JG locals were making quite a bit of money. It seemed. Maybe I, not read that I, part, mean, yeah? I don't. I don't know if they were actually making the money because uh, I think the Cheju Islanders got screwed quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, same okay. thing with the oranges. They had to send oranges to the capital yeah. as uh, tribute. Yeah. And okay. I'm always surprised that one of the uh, the most popular fruits. Can you guess what the most popular fruit was in the mm. 1900s? The, in, in Korea or Jeju? In Korea, 
real. Okay, I'm gonna late nineteenth century, early nineteen hundreds. Okay, I want to get this right, but I doubt I'm going to. <laughs> I'm just gonna pull something out of my hat. Figs. figs? My winner. Okay. I don't know if fig is no. a fruit. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, let's go. I was most popular as a fruit. It was let's... like God's gift. It's gonna it... be something different than you're thinking. Guarantee it. God's pears. Pears. That's okay, you got like pears. I'm gonna go with plums. I'm on the game show right here. Very Western <laughs> fruit plums. Canned peaches. What? Canned peaches from the United States. Oh, with the sugar like syrup, right? The number one thing. That was that was the spam wow. of the <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's like that's liquid gold right there. Yeah, wow. It was. I yeah. mean, we I, do. We, if you don't mind, we do want to pick your brain a bit more about another subject. How would you feel about talking about your 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 friends? Yeah, we, uh, we're going to take Dustin. a break right now, but we'll call you right. We'll 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 be back to talk about uh, Mr. D Frederick Dustin. And we are back. And before we left, uh, I said that we would like to talk with you. Uh, Robert, about Mr. Dustin. Now, there's a lot of people on the island who have come here in the last four or five years since the uh, Jeju International City opened up. And sadly, not none of them, most of them didn't get a chance to, to meet mm -hmm. Mr. Dustin. And um, I don't think a lot of people realize the effect that he had and the influence and the legacy he's had on the island. So I thought maybe uh, you could introduce them to who... <laughs> Mr. Dustin was. Well, his, his legacy on the island actually goes back maybe a half a century, but he actually came to Korea in 1952. Mm -hmm. And he was with the military, served his time during the Korean War, returned to the United States, finished his degree, came back was one of the first English teachers at Yonsei University and did a stint in a number of different universities. He became a gold miner. What? He, yeah, he wow. mined gold. He was a fishmonger. He was a newspaper copy editor for the... Jeez what was it, Korea Republic, which was the predecessor of the, the Korea Herald. He um, worked for the U.S. government. I mean, everything you could think of. He went down to Jeju Island after, I think, 1968, something like that. He established the maze in the 1980s, mm -hmm. I think those, 1989. The Gimyoung maze, the Gimyoung. Mm -hmm. right. for those that don't know. Um, he was chicken farmer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually how I got to know him. Is I, it being a chicken farmer? I wrote some articles about the long-tailed chickens <laughs> of Korea. Mm -hmm. Okay. Supposedly... The Korean court used to have long-tailed chickens. Their their tail feathers were four meters long, five Whoa. meters long. Whoa. And they were the playthings of the Korean monarchy. No and way. They, That's good. 
All right. And the Japanese, this is what they're accused of. The Japanese are accused of coming in and stealing the chickens. <gasps> and we actually have some records of these long-tailed chickens, supposedly from Korea, being sold in Seattle. Oh. You know, I even have a couple of pictures of them in 1940s, 1950s. No okay. Um, supposedly that were brought in from Seoul. Mm -hmm. So, and Dustin was a chicken farmer. And so it got his interest and we started <laughs> talking. <laughs> um, wow. I, his history on the island is, in fact, he, the reason why he has the land or had the land for the maize uh -huh. was his part of the deal from the selling of the chicken farm. Oh, and so he had a, a share in the chicken farm and Purina, uh, Purina bought it out. Oh, and then he got part of the instead of paying him in money, they paid him in land on Jeju Island. Fantastic. Wow. And then that's where the that's where the maze stemmed from then that that piece of property. Well, that's the maze came in 1989. Right. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was going to be a resort for university students. Okay. It was tangerine farm, mandarin <laughs> farm, uh -huh. walnut farm, um, chicken farm. It was a chicken farm for a while. Mm -hmm. Why not? Sure. <laughs> a lot of the trees were planted after. The trees in that area were planted, I think, in the 70s. Mm -hmm. So, and so how, uh, would you, how would you ahead. define, how would you uh, describe Mr. Dustin? Cranky. <laughs> that was, that's a very accurate word, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Very, very succinct. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was, he was a chromogen, mm. but he was he was extremely kind. Yes. He often he donated a lot of money to various functions. Mm -hmm. He assisted foreign students on the island. He mm -hmm. provided uh, scholarships for them. He uh, he was the animal he, humanitarian before there was any you know really? such thing down here. He was taking care of the cats and making sure there yeah. was programs right. for them. So he was yeah. the first one to do that. I think. Mm. Um, donated money to the hospitals, um, schools, university. all over. Yeah, he's honored yeah, at the yeah. university, I believe, oh, for, really? for donation yeah. money. Yeah, mm. he's universities, elementary schools. Amazing, yeah. amazing. You know, like I always, I always thought of him, and I probably mentioned this to you in, in in text is when I asked you to come on our show. Is that I always thought of him as like the the godfather of all of us on on Jeju. Wait to say that it's just because he had he had a presence. He had this knowledge and he had, he, you could tell that he was such an influential person to the people and mm -hmm. to the island. And he, he wasn't just so, yeah. a non-Korean because he, he was a citizen, but he was, he just had so much effect here that he, he was a part of the mm -hmm. island in my mm -hmm. opinion, like in my eyes. Like what, even when I left to, to, when I went home to Canada after I got married, no, before that, before mm -hmm. I left. I made sure that like I introduced him to, to my wife and said, like, we're going to leave and we'll see you when we come back. Just because I would have I I felt like that's something that you had to do, you know, with a man like 
get the blessing yeah bless sort you, of bless you son <laughs> you know and i've always yeah, had no yeah that was it that's a, yeah i've always had very yeah people call him a curmudge but i've always had really lovely interactions with yeah. him and he was always so kind to me and um yeah. i whenever like when i saw that these series of articles in the korea times was dedicated to him that mm -hmm. it I, I, you know i it's Touching nice him. to yeah. know that his people are still writing about him people are still thinking about him because you don't uh like i said so much on the island changes right mm. um i i dedicated one of my books to him uh -huh. and gave it to him uh -huh. and he didn't respond for like two weeks so uh -huh. i knew he hadn't even opened it <laughs> <laughs> you're just like waiting just, uh -huh. just because i wrote it and we were friends didn't mean he was gonna read it <laughs> Robert, you just you just listed off so many things that uh, you know he he did on the islands, not just gave, but what he did on the island. What do you think his lasting legacy is? What was what would be the mm -hmm. one thing you feel really made it throughout the years for Jeju? Mm, that one's hard. Mm. Um, He's done so much, right? I mean, the maze is there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but Will the maze be there always? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I hope that he'll live on through the stories. Mm -hmm. and I hope that every year I try to remember, I try to write something about him mm -hmm. on his birthday and okay. on the date that he died. He died on Children's Day, mm -hmm. which is kind of strange, but fitting because mm -hmm. he actually did like kids. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's hard to believe he he was definitely cranky at times, but he really liked kids. Yeah, yeah. and uh, cats. The cats are a great legacy. I think uh, Lucas is doing very well with all the cats. Mm -hmm. And and for our listeners, who who is Lucas? Lucas is his uh, protege, his mm -hmm. yeah. his adopted son per mm -hmm. se. Yeah, um, and through. Lucas's children, Fred's grandchildren. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it lives on that way. I, yeah. I think I think there will always be some reference to it. I think as long as mm. you're remembered by somebody, you live on forever. Yeah, I like that, yeah. That's kind of like what I'm trying to do. That's the reason why I write about so many Westerners mm -hmm. who were in Korea. 100 120 years ago because they're forgotten mm. and they're forgotten until somebody comes and digs up their past and it doesn't have to be a great past i mean you don't <laughs> no certainly not <laughs> everybody's got a backstory yes. <laughs> but uh it's good to remember them and a lot of these a lot of these stories are, are dying quickly um Old Peace Corps, we've right. lost a lot of the old right. Peace Corps. We've lost a lot of the the priest on the island. Um, you're losing a lot of people. Yeah, right? yeah. The priest, the priest we did. Yeah, that yeah. Was, mm. that's and a really it's good not, point. It's not just the foreigners that are being lost. When mm. I used to go on the island, Fred was nice enough to provide me with a driver and an interpreter at times, and oh, we good. would just stop. 
and I would see an elderly person and I would ask them, tell me a story about this region. Yeah. Yeah. And so they would tell me the different stories and I would try to compare them because Korea is losing its history. Agreed. The, the nuclear family is broken apart and people no longer, you no longer have grandmother at home to tell the stories of the past to the grandchildren. There's, mm-hmm. there's, it's dying. We're not seeing that anymore. Mm-hmm. So history is basically storytelling and the storytelling is gone. One of my favorite things about living on Jeju, and I, I explain, and I, I write about Jeju in, in fiction form, and, and you know, I, I do my Sasam work. Um, it's I always tell people that the history of Jeju is the is like it's a personal history. It's made up of these, like when I talk about Sasam, I'm actually talking about my wife's history, mm-hmm. right? Like this isn't it's, it's it's not so far removed. It's not so far, but right. it's also really close to them it's not like about kings and you know all these like when you when i grew up in toronto toronto's history wasn't mine i didn't have i could have done anything and it doesn't affect the town but here it's direct it's it affects the history of where yeah these where they live you know the people that come here the children that they have and what they do in the sounds that actually literally becomes the history of the town that I hear about from mm. people. I know about all the people in the town because my grandmother, my grandma, my mother-in-law <laughs> tells me all the stories of all the people and their family and where they come from and who their family was and what they were before the war. And, and yeah. it's, it's, Robert, you'll have to join me sometime in urging Daryl. I've I've told him this a lot that he needs to start recording, especially for his mm-hmm. daughter, who you know now is Canadian, Korean, Canadian, Canadian, Korean. Uh, he needs to start recording some of the the rants that his yeah. his uh, his father in law goes on. Yeah. You know all these things. He just needs to be hitting record on this, much like what you were talking about doing all those years ago. Mm-hmm. You just need to have a a record of it. You know, it's important that you keep that. I, it's. Yeah. Actually, on on Jeju Island, there are a couple of historians and mm-hmm. uh, anthropologists on the island. Really mm-hmm. great, uh, but they don't want me to mention their name. <laughs> so, Fair but, enough. But you know them. Yeah, uh-huh. you yeah, know yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. Some of them have published books, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I, I think you guys should approach them and get them to, because they should. are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, when you were talking about, you know, the dying off of the nuclear family and stuff like that, immediately I was thinking about Joey and his work with shamanism, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, you know, Joey's yeah, mm-hmm. well, we've had him on and and especially like his trying to record because the shamans here on Jeju are the historians, if you will. They have the records, they have the the stories, they have the the histories. Well, they turn uh, it into myth. Right. So the myth. True. Right. And they have so and, and mm-hmm. Joey's just done so much work with that, trying to hold it all together. But meanwhile, you know, they're just disappearing. That's the nice thing about doing this last series of articles Mm -hmm. is suddenly I received quite a few emails from different historians and shamanist Uh studies and stuff, Uh sending me their articles. So cool. For me, it's it's kind of difficult because I normally don't write about religion because it's a belief system and I don't wish to offend anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not a believer, then anything I write is it, it's biased. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't write about modern history either because I don't think I'm in a position, especially on Cheju. I don't mm. live there. Right, right. I have, I have no, no foundation to even think about writing about something like that. So I, I lurk in the back 120 <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, based on your article and getting those uh, emails, I really, you know, obviously it's not something we need to talk about, but I'll send it out there. I really hope there's some more works uh, that mm. you got in your head, like maybe some wheels are spinning and maybe some collaborations. I, ho I hope to see some of that sometime. It would be nice. It, it would be, be nice. <laughs> now, well, unfortunately, we're running out of, out of time, but we have to have you back on it. On again, so much Robin to talk Neff. to you. This was, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I appreciate the invitation. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. We know you're, you're quite a busy man. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like to say to Robert Neff one more time, thank you so much for coming on. That was such a, like a wonderful, illuminating interview. So fascinating, all the work that you've been doing. And, uh, you know, all the time that you spent with us, that interview went much longer than we had originally anticipated, but we're grateful that it did. And to, to speak a little bit about Mr. Dustin, because like I said in the interview, I don't think a lot of people had the pleasure of meeting him, uh, who are those who are now live on the island and who call it a home. Uh, he was such a, a presence here when he was alive. And I was fortunate enough to you know, break bread with him a couple of times and uh, visit him at his house and attend some of his parties. And, you know, yes, a curmudgeon, but uh, I always found them kind, kind to me. And uh, just always a, a pleasure and to be around. And, and like I said, I always thought him as kind of our godfather here on the island. You know, if if it wasn't for him, it it felt like he paved the path for us, you know, like he was the pioneer for us Westerners on, on the island. I know that may not be true, but he had that kind of aura, that kind of presence. And um, he's missed. He, he definitely is. So uh, if you get a chance, Robert Neff has written about Mr. Dustin. We'll share some of his articles on our website and in the... Uh, notes for this podcast if you want to learn more about him, the Mr. Dustin and, and the effect and his legacy on the island. Now, for our next episode, we have another great interview lined up. I'm not going to spoil it now. You're just going to have to wait and listen. And Alexis will hopefully be back. She seems to be on the mend. Uh, hopefully, I'm on the mend, to be perfectly honest with you. it's It's been a tough couple of days just just exhausted, you know, like whatever we have, whatever I have. And it's, I'm pretty sure it's not COVID. It's, it's not, I know cases on the island have been exploding, but this is just a, a cold that has sapped me of my energy of my, my life force. So hopefully that'll be back for next week for the, for the next episode. And I anticipate Alexis will be back with me. So you won't just have to listen to me droning on and on and on in the intros and outros and uh, the music for this episode as all episodes is by Jason Lisko, Art, Sarah Hodgkiss I am Daryl Coote my co-host is Alexis Joy and until next time stay healthy Jeju please <laughs>